I recently watched a fascinating TED Talk by social scientist Katherine Schultz. She studies the concept of being wrong. Whether because culture has taught us since an early age that if you want to succeed, you need to make sure that you're always right, or because when we realize we're wrong, it just feels so bad, no one likes to be wrong. The thing Schultz said that I found most provocative, though, was that there's a difference between being wrong and realizing you're wrong. The analogy she uses is one so many of us are familiar with, and it comes from Looney Tunes and the bit that they have with the coyote and the roadrunner. Y'all know the scene because it happens almost every episode that the roadrunner runs out off of a cliff and the coyote aimlessly follows and is chasing after that chaparral. And then at some point, he sees that he is out in the middle of nowhere off the cliff and he looks right at the viewer and begins to panic and fall. But this is the thing. The coyote was wrong before he realized he was wrong. What about you? How does being wrong or realizing that you are wrong make you feel? I know for me, I can't stand it. Think for a minute. How long do you think you are usually wrong about something before you realize that you are wrong about that? As followers of Jesus, we have been given this unique lens, though, to look at our wrongness. The Apostle Paul says it like this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or as St. Augustine said it years ago, to err is human. The challenge before us today is this. When we become aware of our wrongdoing, of our brokenness, of our sin, how do we respond? To help us with that, we are going to read the call story of the 8th century BCE prophet Isaiah. Isaiah's call is a story of generosity. Not generosity like you would typically think or that we talked about last week where the widow gave the, the two copper coins worth a penny. Isaiah models for us what it looks like to have a generous spirit. Let us pray before we read our scripture. Gracious and loving God, as we approach your throne of grace this morning to hear a word from you, may we receive it with your love. May we receive it with gentleness, but may it be so powerful that we cannot receive it and remain the same. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Here, this comes from the eighth chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe, it filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. 
And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called and the house filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so a quick disclaimer up front. Some of you were listening to that text and you're wanting to kind of write off the sermon, maybe fast forward through the end, because this call story of Isaiah, it just doesn't seem relatable. It's so fairy tale. I mean, to have an encounter with God like this, this presence of God, it says it's huge and lofty, where the hem of the robe of God fills the sanctuary. Talk about owning the room. The presence of God here, it's so holy and majestic that even the seraphs, which are just the heavenly beings or the angels, they have to cover their eyes from the glory that is there. The voice of the seraphs, shouting to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And then when God speaks to Isaiah, it's so clear. And Isaiah hears his words so clearly. I mean, it's just so Disney. And Disney, well, as magical as it is, and as much as I love a good Disney movie, it is not something I can relate to. You know, this is what I've always focused on when I have read this passage has been the dramatic call of Isaiah and his response to that call. Here I am. Send me. But not this time. I could not get past how Isaiah reacts in verse five. Isaiah admits he's wrong. Isaiah confesses his sin. And then Isaiah surrenders that wrongness and that sin to God. Isaiah models what it is like to have a generous spirit. I picture he puts his head down. Woe is me. I am lost. I have unclean lips. I live among people that have unclean lips. He begins with, woe is me, a painful cry of despair over his awareness of his own brokenness. He says, I am lost. The the Hebrew word that's used here is better translated as, I simply don't know what to say, or as the King James Version says, I am utterly undone. 
in this moment. And then, of all of the things that Isaiah could have mentioned that were sinful or dirty, he says, I have unclean lips. The words that come out of my mouth, and yes, even the words that I hold back, they are unclean. They're defiled. They're impure. And then it's in that moment, I feel like I could be in Isaiah's shoes. And suddenly, the fairy tale does not seem so Disney anymore, does it? I know that my words and the words of so many around me, that they are unclean too. Our current cultural and political climate is one of hurtful and hate-filled speech from all sides and everywhere in between. It seems no one is willing to admit wrong. And when someone does admit wrong, it's not good enough for the other side. Nothing seems enough. When I stop to think about this, I also get overwhelmed with the pain and the hopelessness. How are you reacting to our current cultural and political climate? Have you wanted to cry out, woe is me, in despair? Have you simply not known what to say? Have you felt utterly undone? The text gives us an insight how to move past the undoneness. I think we can get frozen in that moment of awareness. Isaiah admits he is wrong. I imagine it looked like this. He has his head down in confession. He is undone. He does not know what to say. And then he remembers whose presence he is in. And he says, yet, yet, yet my eyes have seen the King of glory, the Lord of hosts. You see, Isaiah had heard from his ancestors these stories. No one had ever been in the presence of God and not had to shield their eyes and for so many had died. No matter how unclean or impure or sinful or broken Isaiah was, God's presence did not change. In that moment of awareness, there was nothing but God's presence. No judgment, no shame. Isaiah realizes the gift of what he is experiencing in that moment. He has been in the presence of God and can live to tell it. One of the seraphs flies towards him and, and brings this burning coal and puts it on those very lips that have just confessed their wrongdoing. Notice what the seraph does not say, friends. You deserve this. You are a failure. It's all your fault. You see, the presence of God, the nature of God, is always to build up and not tear down, to affirm and not to criticize, to love and not to hate. And the seraph utters words 
I want all of y'all to lean in and hear. Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. How amazing. No guilt. Sin is atoned for. A generous spirit embraces vulnerability and courageously admits the wrongdoing in their story. But even as Isaiah confesses and lays bare the reality of his wrong, a generous spirit does not let that wrong define their story. A generous spirit says that despite my wrongdoing, I am sustained and forgiven by the omnipresent, all-powerful God. Isaiah models this for us. God speaks and says, whom shall I send? And who will go and share my story? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. A generous spirit says, here am I, in spite of the chaos or confusion of the present, or of the guilt of the past, or of the fear of the future. A generous spirit realizes that one can do anything that God is calling us to, absolutely anything, because we are not alone. The presence of God is with us at our back. A generous spirit says, I will go, but I go knowing that I am not perfect and neither is anyone else. Did you know that Isaiah is the only person in scripture who when called, says, here I am, send me. Not Abraham, Moses, Samuel. They all say, who, me? Isaiah is confident in his reply. Not send me because I have a certain set of skills or abilities. Send me because God is with me. We are doing this together. A generous spirit realizes that all has been forgiven. And then because of that, there is a sense of well-being and freedom that one gets from being forgiven. And one cannot help but go and tell others. The generous spirit often says that anything good that has come my way, it can't just be for me. It must be for others. You see, the generous spirit is contagious and it gets shared over and over. In the TED talk I mentioned at the beginning, the speaker said at one point, stepping outside of the space where you feel you must be right is the single greatest moral, intellectual, and creative move you can make. I agree. But I, what I want to make sure you know is that stepping outside of the space where we feel we must be right is not done in one thought or hearing one sermon or one TED talk or in one season or by one certain age. Fostering a generous spirit that embraces surrender and vulnerability, this is part of the work of faith and the story that we live, friends. It is a journey not a destination. Now I know that few of us can relate to the supernatural experience of Isaiah in this presence of God. 
but I believe all of us can relate to his awareness of his wrongdoing. May Isaiah's generous spirit encourage us to accept that we are human, that all are human and we make mistakes. Yet, yet we serve a God who eagerly waits for us to admit where we have done wrong. God is so eager to have another opportunity to remind us of our worth, another opportunity to take away our guilt, to remove our shame, and to give us love. God wants to love us into going forth into our story. Imagine with me what the next few weeks might be like if more of us would embrace the generous spirit. When we foster the generous spirit, it is the best move we can make. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.